Welcome. Thank you for joining us here at AmazingLove.org. And, uh, you know, it's been a dream of mine to reach people all across the world with a message of Jesus and his love. And so whether you're joining us from near or far, so glad that you're here. And uh, we'd love to hear what God is doing in your life. So if he's blessed you by this ministry, please email us at impactatamazinglove@gmail.com. at gmail.com. If you'd like to support this ministry and make sermons like this possible every week ongoing, please go to AmazingLove.org and go to our giving tab. But now may God bless you. May he guide you. May he speak into your life and direct you all through the power of his love. Thank you. Dear friends gathered at Amazing Love, it's a time of victory. It's a time to fly this flag. Let me bring it up. Because the Cubs have won. Anyone want to celebrate with me? Hey, hey, hey. A hundred years, 108 years is gone. The goat is gone. The goat is dead. Moved to Cleveland, I hear. And uh, we are finally champions. If you are a Cubs fan, I grew up with uh, Andre Dawson's poster on my childhood bedroom wall. Grew up going to Wrigley. It's pretty awesome, pretty awesome. Um, and uh, if you don't like the Cubs, this is probably not the Sunday for you, because um, I'm sorry, not sorry. We're probably going to talk about them. It's probably going to be brought up a few times. But, but here's my promise to you. I'm going to keep it about Jesus. Because if you're a Christian, there is a greater victory, and there is a greater victor, and we know who that is. It is our Savior, Jesus Christ. And this celebration, this feeling that we have, these pictures that we see, they are only foreshadowings and only glimpses. They're only veiled glory of the true glory that will be ours if you consider yourself a Christian. So we're glad that you're here. And uh, with that, I believe something is true in our culture, which is this, that we all want to win. Not true. We want to be part of teams that are winning. We want to go to companies that are excelling. We want to invest in the stock market at a good time. We want our kids to go to winning schools. We want them to date winners who are figuratively and literally winners, right? And uh, we, we know what it is to want to win. And uh, that means if you're a Sox fan, if you want to come on the bandwagon, uh, you, you can. Okay. We know what it is to want to win, and, and I consider sometimes the difference of what makes a winner versus a loser, and I consider the World Series, and it's very sometimes a slim, slim thing that, that differentiates between winners and losers. A little bit about the game. You could consider the timing of certain things. Now, here I don't think Joe Madden always helped with the timing of when he had pitchers come in or come out, but anyway, um, the timing of a Ben Zobrist hit in maybe the 10th inning, or the timing of a Schwarber coming back for the World Series, or um, just the, the pitching staff who was maybe a little bit deeper, but, but we consider what separates sometimes the winners and the losers, and sometimes it's very slim, and you've got to figure that out. We've come here to consider, though, spiritual matters. And one thing I want to be real with that is probably not socially acceptable and probably is not politically correct is something I'm going to say, and it's going to strike you like pastors. Should we even say that? Do you know that there are winners and there are losers spiritually? There are winners and there are losers spiritually. Now, if I was a political candidate, I wouldn't run on this platform. I wouldn't get elected, right? You know that. Because you know the age in which we live almost tells us it doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter what you do. You, you want to worship Allah, Buddha, they're all the same. You want to worship aliens who have come down from space and are going to give you a better life and, and free from sickness? That, that works too. It all just leads to the same place. It all just works in the end. You take that thought to its final destination. Why would we be here if that is true? Why 
would the church exist if we all win in the end? My friends, I tell you not something that comes from me and not something from this church, but I tell you what Jesus said. Jesus came into the world and said, there is a difference. There is a narrow gate that people enter who truly win, but there is a wide gate for those who end up losing. Look at the words of Jesus. He says, enter through that narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad the road that leads to destruction or losing in the end. And many are entering through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. Only a few find it. So the question then is, if there are winners and losers, and remember, I didn't say this, Jesus did. What's the difference? What's the difference between those who win and those who lose eternally and spiritually? And what I believe you'll find the answer is in our lesson for today, in our discussion for today. Sola fide is the difference. Faith is the difference. You see, it's not about morality. If you've met people from different religions, there are very moral people even in other religions. I'm not sure if you've ever met a Mormon. It's not about being better than someone even though I'm not trying to excuse sin at all. And it's not faith in just anything. It's not faith, again, in, in Scientology, which believes in aliens. It's not faith in a sacred cow in Hinduism. It's not faith in Allah, which is a different God than what Christianity proposes. It's not faith in any of these other options as it is in the one named Jesus, the Messiah. Jesus said this. In the, the book of John, he said, Whoever believes in him, the Messiah, Jesus, is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Would I win the presidential election if this was my platform? And yet, did Jesus say it? And yet, is it striking a chord with you? And yet, even if you had reservations and thought that this idea of all gods leads to some, maybe you're seeing there is some truth in this concept that whether you want to be real with or not is there. So the next question, though. How do others come to faith in Jesus? If that's how we all win, how does that happen? And I want to tell you something about the group gathered at Amazing Love. The reason we gathered here and the reason we started this church is because we want so many more people to win. It might be true that people will lose, but we don't want that to happen to anyone. We don't want that to happen to you. We don't want it to happen to anyone in our family, anyone in this community, anyone in this country. We are here so that as many people as possible can know that through Jesus, you can win spiritually and eternally because everywhere, everyone lives somewhere forever, and that can be yours. That's why we're gathered. But how does it happen? Well, we're in this series called Mighty Christian Lutheran, and we're channeling our inner superhero. And I believe that if you follow Jesus, you have something super about you. You have, you have the potential to have a superpower that just changes the world. And if you were here the first week, you heard this. You heard that you have a super word that the world desperately needs. You have this message of Jesus that the world desperately needs, and it changes their hearts. It changes their lives. It's all the power of that word, but it is essential to again bring faith to Jesus for many other people. So let's consider more of the faith life and more how we get it and more about sharing this word as we dive into Romans chapter 10. Now, usually I try to keep things concise 
so that you'll, you know, really, uh, you know, just hear certain words and it'll just hit home. This is like a big, broad section, and I didn't know how to cut it up any other way, so I'm sorry. Um, so I'm going to read some passages, and I might talk about some of them, um, but bear with me as, as we get into it and we dig it apart. I know it's longer, that's why I say that. So um, first, uh, verse 1. Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. I'm going to pause there and just ask you, when's the last time you've been praying for someone else's salvation? Is there someone on your heart that you want to come over to the winning team to believe in Jesus? I believe if it's been some time, you need to ask yourself, what's the problem? Because this is our goal as Christians, to have on our hearts many people who still need this message and pray for them vigorously and do whatever it takes that they might know Jesus as Savior. This is what we do as followers of Jesus. It's what Paul did when it came to the Jewish people. He goes on, I can testify about them. They're zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Now, this can be a paradigm for any other religion. There is zeal, but that zeal is not based on the knowledge that comes from God. That zeal is based on the wisdom of man. And the wisdom of man is this, and the separation of Christianity and other religion is this. That one religion says you have to do something for your salvation. You have to be good. You have to follow the code. You have to do this, this, and this. And if you do it, you're saved. Christianity comes and says it's done. All through Jesus. You could never do it. And the only rescue and the only hope is through faith in this one. There's a lot of zeal today that isn't with knowledge. Be aware. He goes on. Since they do not know the righteousness of God, and they sought to establish their own. They, they're trying to do what I just talked about, a salvation by works. They did not submit then to God's plan of God's righteousness. Christ, however, is the culmination of the law, so that there might be righteousness for everyone who, can you say that word? Believes. Faith. Moses writes about the righteousness that is by the law. The person who does these things will live by them. Now you think of the Old Testament people. You think of all the laws that they had. And let me just ask you a question. Did they follow them well? Oh my goodness, it was like herding cats. If there was a way to rebel, they found it. And so the end of this passage should be like, no one was going to live by that thing. Because they all were bad. It's still a picture of our hearts today, though. It's still a picture that we cannot be good enough to save ourselves. It will not work that way. Rather, verse 6, the righteousness that is by faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend in the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning the faith we proclaim. And if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So what is salvation based upon? This common belief that Jesus is Lord and Savior. If you believe that today, you are good to go. You are perfect through Christ. It goes on. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in Him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on his name. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how then can they call on the one they've not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? 
As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all the Israelites accepted the news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? But consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. Awesome word. We get to dig into it a little bit today. Still with me? Can you turn to your neighbor and say, it's going to be a good morning? It's going to be a good morning. It's going to be a good morning. It's going to be a good morning. Um, I am an outright Cubs fan, and so I'm just going to throw out the fact that I'm not ashamed of it here. And uh, again, this might be your favorite sermon or like the sermon that you don't like at all because um, it's, it's the time to just talk about victory, my friends. And I've got my own, my own jersey here. So, um, so I'm just getting you prepared for about a billion Cubs analogies. So by the way, um, with that, I wanted to draw your attention. Uh, look, yep. Pretty cool, I know. Um, <laughs> I'll sense if you're really distracted, and I'll take it off later. But anyway, for now, it works. And I want to talk about the World Series trophy a little bit. Uh, maybe you saw this happening. Um, Theo Epstein, the architect of the Cubs, holding the World Series trophy. Now, it's kind of an interesting uh, picture. And um, in order to hold that trophy, what does he need? Logically, he needs hands. He needs hands in order for it not to fall off his head. He needs hands to grasp it. And if you saw other players, they're all sharing this through their hands and holding it with their hands. Well, I have have a point here. What we're talking about today is holding on to a victory. We're holding on to something that Jesus has won. Let me modify this picture just a little bit. See, Jesus, he won for us a trophy. If you believe in Jesus, you have forgiveness of all your sins. You have righteousness this day, forgiven, clothed with Christ. You have eternal life. But the only way to hold on to all those things that are available, to hold on to the trophy that is ours, is through faith. See, faith is the hands that hold on to the victory of Jesus. That's the first point. That's what faith is. Faith is simply receiving. Believing is receiving. Faith is hands that hold everything that he won. I consider verse 4. Verse 4 says, Christ is the culmination of the law so that there might be righteousness for everyone who what? For everyone who votes a certain way. No. For everyone who's a really, really good person. No. For everyone who's a Cubs fan. Kind of. No. Um, For everyone who, we already said it, believes. That's what makes faith so essential. This illustration of faith being the hands actually wasn't created by me, but Martin Luther referred to it this way. Martin Luther said, Only faith apprehends the promise, believes the assurance God gives, and extends the hand to accept what God is offering. Faith, again, is the hands that hold. Now, what I love to consider, and this is really why I came, sometimes, I know I preach about heaven before, but I just, I never get over the fact of what is coming. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, none of this makes sense if I don't keep my eye on what's coming. And I just need to let you know again what's coming, okay? As the Cubs went from lovable losers to World Series winners, I don't care if you feel like a loser today. I don't care if you're down and out today. I don't care if the battle seems too much for you today. I need to remind you that you have a victory that is already yours and will never be taken away. As we saw five million people come together in Grant Park, I need you to know there's going to be a rally that Grant Park cannot hold. 
a rally that only heaven can hold, where a multitude comes together from every language and every tribe and every age and every people, and they all come together to sing a much better song. Not go, Cubs, go, but holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. This is our party. And I need to tell you, the weekend won't cut it short. And a job won't cut it short. And, and responsibilities or a new season won't cut it short. This victory will go on forever and ever. And we will never get sick of celebrating the victory of our God and of our Lamb. It is coming. And as sure as the World Series is here today, it will be so sure in our own hearts and our own lives and our own reality and experience. You need to know this victory that is yours. If you're not a Christian, first of all, welcome. Welcome online. Welcome to this group. We need to tell you that regardless of your past, this victory is for you. It is. When Jesus died on the cross, he had you in mind. When Jesus lived perfectly in your place, he had you in mind. When he rose from the dead about that victory party, he had you in mind to assure you this is for you. This gospel is for you. May God so convince you through this word that it's true, that it's yours, that it's here. May God give you faith. So we got victory. And we got hands to hold it through faith. Faith just says what Jesus did for the world. No, he did for me. He did for Dustin Bloomer. So I will have that victory. But now we need to talk a little bit about how that faith came. How is faith coming? Verse 17, please look there with me. It says, consequently, faith will come from hearing the, please say that word, the message. So what we understand about faith is that faith comes through the word, which is why we love it when we gather together to hear the word. This is why we love it, which is why if you were here last week, we said if you don't have a Bible, get a Bible. And that, that same offer is here today. And we need you to be reading the Bible. If you are not reading the Bible, your faith is limping along. We need you to come regularly to hear that word because it's that word that strengthens faith. You know, there are a couple other things that are not in the lesson that strengthen faith. I want to talk about them real briefly. Baptism is one that can strengthen faith. When Paul was told to be baptized, he said, get up, wash your sins away. And wherever there is forgiveness of sins, there's also faith increased. Communion is another thing that we celebrate here at Amazing Love. We love it because of how it gives us forgiveness. Do this for forgiveness of sins. And whenever you have forgiveness of sins, you have faith increased. So again, feed the faith. And if we use the word and use the sacraments, you know what it'll be like? It'll be like this commercial. I want to share with you a really uh, quick commercial. It's kind of a goofy commercial. Um, here it is. Check this out, bro. What's that, bro, Heem? I switched to Geico and got more. More savings on car insurance? Yeah, professor, and more, like renter's insurance. More ways to save. Nice, bro chip. That's not all, bro shake. Geico has motorcycle and RV insurance, too. Ooh, that's a lot more. Oh, yeah. I'm all about more Teddy Roosevelt. Geico, expect great savings and a whole lot more. Love it. Protein shake. Yeah, it's you guys. Anyway, um, when we use that word, we are doing spiritual curls, and we will 
get more. It is good, not so much to be a ripped person, okay, that's, that's okay, but it is good to be a ripped Christian, that's for sure. It is good to have some spiritual muscles and not be a flabby man, all right? So let's get that, that more. But sometimes, I don't know if you've ever had this thought. I know you have it physically. Have you ever been working out and you're like, what if I get too muscular? You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, because it's working for the first time and you're like, I'm going to have those bulges and I'm not going to buy regular clothing. And, and sometimes, you know, you just worry about, you know, the, the hardship of being too muscular. I know I can relate to it. I'm just kidding. Anyway, and, um, you know, sometimes do I really want to be that strong, right? I think the same debate happens at Christians. I, I think it does. I think like, pastor, you, you tell me to be strong, but why do I want these spiritual muscles? I'm not even sure they're going to fit in my life. Let me give you a reason why. Here it is. Because I believe as you get spiritual muscles, the stronger faith that you have, the stronger the sense of victory in your life. The stronger faith, the stronger grip of the sense of victory in your life. The goal and the culmination of the faith is not in what we do. It's in the peace that we have. And I, I talk with people all the time who are wrestling with peace. I talk with people all the time who are wrestling in believing it'll work out. Wondering how they're going to get through. I got to tell you, read the word. You want muscles to be able to handle that situation? There is no other way possible than, than having a stronger faith because when you have a stronger faith, you have a stronger grip and a sense of peace in your world. Be in the word. I don't know of how any other way to get through. I don't know how any other hard circumstance works. I don't know how any other hard marriage or hard workplace or, or hard relationship works. I have no other answer other than you better get a stronger faith because that stronger faith will give you a stronger grip on the power that you need, which is from God. The fruits of the Spirit are this. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And, and, and having these in abundance comes to us through faith. The Spirit works them through faith as we use that word. What if we just had more love? What if we just had more joy? What if we just had more peace? They're possible as we do the spiritual workouts. But let me ask you, how often do you prioritize your spiritual workout? When pastor's not looking or telling you to read your Bible, is it something you just had not in church? Or is it something you walk away with and say, I, I probably better do this, shouldn't I? Because my life is not that easy. When pastor isn't hurting you in, are you saying, I better get to church? Because my faith needs this. I need to hear of the victory. Because I've lost some peace. Isn't it true it's so easy to neglect the word? And this is what we want to repent of once again. We want to say, God, I'm so sorry I've missed opportunities to know you and seek your face. Because the reality is, if this goes on long enough, that victory could even slip from our hands. You could get to a point where your faith life, you no longer care what Jesus did. You no longer care what is coming. You no longer care about anything other than this world, and that will be disastrous. You know, sometimes I talk about faith as in uh, pet life. And um, how many of you have pets? Pets, pets, pets. I have a cat named He-Man. What I've observed in my year with He-Man is that if I feed him and if I give him treats, he's pretty amiable. 
It's an okay cat as far as cats go. They're not as good as dogs. I get it. I get it, okay? But if I miss a feeding, he gets a little ornery. And if I would never feed him again, what would happen to my pet He-Man? He would die. Your faith is that cat. If you feed your faith, you will be enough. You will have enough. You will get through it, and God will be there just to guide you. But if you stop feeding it, you'll get weaker. And if you never feed it again, it can die. And you won't care that it died. That's the end of unbelief. I need to warn you. Because the faith that has been given needs to be cultivated. That faith is too precious. And so what we do, my friends, is we fix our eyes on Jesus. That's the only way life works. We fix our eyes on Jesus. For when we do, we know that even though I have failures, I have forgiveness. When we do, even though we know we're covered with sin, know I'm clothed with righteousness. When we do, we stop navel-gazing of how can I handle it, and am I good enough, and, and did I do enough, and say, no, he did it all, and with him, I'm okay. That's the gospel of the Lord. But dear friends, fix your eyes. Keep the faith. This is for us. You know, it's interesting. Uh, one of the quotes that uh, really resonated with me about Martin Luther is this one. We need to hear the gospel every day because we forget it every day. What you're really missing out by not being in the Word is that sense of peace. What you really default to is I better be good and it better be about me. We need that gospel of forgiveness every day. And one of the things I learned about Martin Luther, one of the great things about him is that he took God seriously. He took God seriously. If you do some research about how seriously he took God, there, there came uh, this moment called uh, the Diet of Worms, which, which sounds like the worst diet ever invented. Like the Atkins diet is nothing compared to the Diet of Worms. But anyway, that's a bad joke. Um, the Diet of Worms, and he was said, Luther, if you don't take back what you said about God, take back what you said about uh, Jesus, then you are going to face death. And Luther said, unless I'm convinced that what I said was wrong from Scripture, I can't take it back. I don't care what you do, I have to stand here because I take God more seriously than the threat of death. Now, for the world we live in, we love humor, and I love humor as much as the next person. In fact, I love belly laughing, I love laughing until you're crying in tears. In fact, if you want to laugh, Jeff Foxworthy did something talking about kidney stones. Just Google it like I had a ball because I had some kidney problems anyway. He nailed it on the head. And, and, and while I enjoy good humor, Maybe there's an area of our life and the area of your life where we can take something seriously. Maybe it could be known about us at Amazing Love who follow Jesus that, yeah, there are some things that are just off limits because it's just too seriously. They tend to take the faith pretty seriously. They tend to take Jesus pretty seriously. We don't have to take ourselves seriously. We can laugh and have a, a good time, but maybe it could be known of us that, that we take this faith life seriously. That would be good. As we continue, I, I consider different things that God would want from us from a serious faith and, and that the, the Bible actually uh, refers to. And uh, to get you back in it, I know I haven't used a Cubs analogy in a while, um, so I thought I would um, use a Cubs analogy. Isn't it amazing how many Cubs fans are coming out of the woodwork? You know what I'm saying? 
I was watching some of the parade, and they interviewed this guy from Indiana who came all the way over the parade. And uh, he's like, are you a Cubs fan? And the news reporter asked, like, yeah, I'm a Cubs fan. And then the second question was, did you watch the World Series? <laughs> you want to know what he said? No! <laughs> no, didn't, didn't catch the World Series. Now, okay, he's still there at the parade, but is he really a fan? If you didn't watch the World Series, I, I'm going to press a little harder and say he just wanted a day off, right? He just wanted a three-day weekend and enjoy time with family because that's, that's not really good fandom, okay? And sometimes you're surprised at all of the Cubs fans that are coming in your world. Like, I never knew. I never knew. Now, we might surprise people with our sports allegiance. And, and again, you can jump on the bandwagon. That's not bad. In fact, you're invited. Um, but I don't think it should ever be a surprise to the people who know us that we're Christians. That's how serious we should take the faith. This is the next point. It should never be a surprise to others that we are Christians. In fact, it was never God's goal for you to be like secret agent Christian. You know, how can I navigate the world by, by never being known? You know? Not going to find me out, right? Incognito Christian was never, ever the goal. Rather, speaking about him regularly, proudly. Look, look again at a passage. It says, uh, verse 9, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's something that needs to happen with our actions. We should be loud and proud about the faith. We should talk about it regularly. And so I believe also that the world needs us to be loud and proud with the faith. How else are they going to come to know him? How else are they going to know Jesus as Savior unless we as Christians go with that message? So what are you doing right now to be loud and proud? Are you inviting others to church? Are you telling others how God is working in your life? Are you telling the gospel, maybe John 3.16 or the bridge or, or the gospel globe? Are, are you thinking about how to be loud and proud about it? Because God says when you do that, man, you got some beautiful feet. And, and I love that analogy because God says today, I got beautiful feet. You know that? And uh, that's because I get to stand here and tell the message of Jesus. And I've never had a pedicure. I get the concept, you take a scalpel and you make them really soft and then you have a flower on the big toe, you know, if they really do it well and, and all that. And, and, um, and I may not have had a pedicure, but God says I have beautiful feet. Do you know you can have beautiful feet? It, it, let's make it a healthy competition. If you have podiatric uh, envy, then, then go and have beautiful feet with me. Do it, yo. Go, go invite your friends. Go tell them about Jesus. See how it works. I don't care if you have better feet than I do. Maybe mine will look like ones that are, you know, disgusting compared to yours. That's fine. But let's be rid of stinky feet and ugly feet and feet that aren't willing to be giving that timely and that pleasant and that beautiful word. Let's rally around some beautiful feet. But a final note. As we pursue the faith and pursue beautiful feetdom, I need to warn you. Because a greater faith is possible through God. But no one ever said that greater faith is easy. Here's a quote that I've come to believe. A.W. Tozer said, It is doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly unless he has hurt him deeply. And you might say, But God, I was trying to follow you better. Why did it get harder? 
This is the experience of Christianity. I need to warn you that sometimes in order to have a harvest of righteousness, he may need to discipline us. In order to bear better fruit, he may need to prune us. But in the end, will it be worth it? Wrestle that to the ground with me. Will it be worth it if you have to go through some stuff, but God gets better fruit from you? The answer is yeah, it will. It will all be worth it, and we can give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord knowing it's not in vain. As we pursue greater faith, I believe it means greater use by God. May you have the fortitude and the gumption to pursue it. It's okay if it's not easy. We'll rally together. We'll get through it together. But think of all the fruit that will be born. Think of all the hearts that may change through the glorious gospel. May God so bless that activity. In Jesus' name, amen.